wait, wait, hold on, hold on. How do we? How are we going to do a podcast about a movie where the most awesomest part is visual? That that avalanche scene. How do we do a podcast about an avalanche that nobody can see? <laughs> we do podcasts on visual media all the time. That's oh, like our whole point. That's true. You did all a right. podcast with my brother about Battlefield 1, which is like another degree removed from a podcast. It's not just yeah. the visuals they're missing. They're now missing the gameplay as well. So we can do this just fine. Okay, well, we'll just start. Hi, I'm Bentley. And I'm Samuel. And this is the Re-View podcast. podcast. Okay, you're so smart. I am so smart. Let's start talking about Mulan. Okay, so Mulan, great, traditionally animated, 2D Disney film, easily in the Disney canon, certainly for my generation, no question. You can take any millennial off the street, and if you just start to say, let's get down to business, they will finish the whole song with you. I'm not sure I believe you. You're absolutely 100% wrong. I will go to Ohio State University's campus right now, find a bunch of fourth years or seniors, bust that out, and they will join me. And yet, and yet, I know that there's a whole business now of uh, the Disney people hire folks, uh, one of whom we know, who might be listening to this podcast right now, Right to dress as some of the the more popular and and well known Disney princesses for like birthday parties and events, and I don't know that they hire someone to be I'm Mulan. I'm sure there is a Mulan at Disneyland and Disney World. Like I'm just so sure. Well, I hope so because it's my favorite of all the '90s Disney movies, and that says something. Even more because... than Hercules. <laughs> well, we're now we're talking about. Do two... you don't like Michael Bolton? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I do like Hercules, but if you asked a lot of people on high street maybe not the seniors on campus but if you just moved out to the high street portion of columbus and started talking to people of all ages about you know like the great 2d disney movies of the 90s before things all turned into 3d animation what would they talk about they'd talk about the little mermaid they'd talk about uh, the lion king of course and beauty and the beast i'm not sure a lot of people are still talking about mulan or hercules I wish they would. I love Mulan. Mulan is a fantastic uh, effort by Disney to really step outside of their comfort zone in terms of a cultural story. Uh, it's you know it's a cross-dressing movie. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it uh, anticipates a lot of the issues that we're still struggling with now, right? In terms of women and identity. Um, it's a deeply, deeply, deeply feminist movie. I love it, but I just don't know how much people are still talking about it, which is kind of why we're doing the podcast about it. I think it's a very important cultural touchstone for my generation, not only because of the music resonating with so many people and still being around in so many ways, but because I think it informs a lot of what people came to expect from Disney movies. I think people didn't just want to see a musical without some sort of theme deeper than love. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these Disney musicals, especially the ones you cited, you know, obviously The Lion King is about more than just love, but, you know, The Little Mermaid ends with a wedding, and Beauty and the Beast is all about love, and it's all about, you know, two people falling in love and being in a relationship, and mm -hmm. Mulan is really about each individual character really trying to seek out who they are and what they want to be, mm -hmm. and only at the end of the movie does, you know does Mulan even find a guy who she's interested in dating? 
Right. You know, like right. it's it's not like oh they're gonna get married. She's going to get married to uh to to oh god what's the captain's name, uh Shang. She's gonna get married to Shang now. No, it's like they're going. He's just meeting her parents. He's over for dinner. You know. Like, it's not... As a fellow veteran, almost. Yeah, almost like a fellow veteran. There's a lot in this movie I'd like to get into uh, that's kind of the self versus the group, right? So that gets you away from the romantic stuff. Uh, What's your duty to a group uh, or to your nation, right? That's another important thing. Loyalty to family. Loyalty loyalty to to family is important. So actually, I think the Bechtel test comes after this, doesn't it? I mean, as a, uh, the, the, um, I don't know exactly when... Well, we uh, need to explain what that is for people. So the Bechdel test is a test where two... If a movie has two female characters, first off, and they have to have a conversation about something other than a man. Don't they have to have two conversations? I forget if the cutoff it's is... It's been changed. It's been changed. It, it's no longer it's constantly in its in original flux. form. Yeah. Um, well, it's either that you have to have one or two conversations that have nothing to do with, you know, dating, or does he love me, or, you know, the romantic stuff. Yeah. And That's, I think this movie passes, doesn't yeah. it? Well, uh, I don't know. Does she talk to... She talks with her mother about duty and... So there's at the least one conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and... Um, Although, does that count as talking about a man, since it's her father? Maybe. Uh, the other thing Ooh, is that... We should look this up and see if it passes the Bechdel test. The other thing is, though, that the Bechdel test is not necessarily a, a, like a measure of quality, which Alison Bechdel herself has pushed back on. She's like, a movie can be good if it doesn't pass this test. There are plenty of great movies that don't yes. pass this test. Right. But she made that test just for her own enjoyment, her own, like, you know, does this pass muster, basically, but not like... Quality. Well, it's a, it's an awesome check, right? It's an awesome it, it, check. It's, it's a very it's, valuable check. To, to get outside of the discussions of uh, art, right, which is usually what, say, a movie critic is watching for, um, you know, it, it brought a political and social sensibility to the art that we love. And so I love it. I think, first of all, Bechtel is a fantastic cartoonist. Uh, I admire her work. I've seen her speak and spoken to her and thanked her for her work. And the Bechtel test, I think, is fantastic as a check to just go, okay, look, you know, is Hollywood just feeding us the same old fairy tale? So for Disney to make a movie like Mulan, which maybe if it doesn't technically pass the Bechdel test, for God's sake, from start to finish, it's all about a young woman succeeding in a man's world without the help directly of a man, without concerns about romance. You know what? I think it passes the spirit of the Bechdel test. Yeah, and that's another thing Alice Bechdel herself has said. You know, there are plenty of movies where maybe a woman would be alone in the scenario but it's about she's not talking with anyone else you know like like right right um what was the movie i think that people talked about that that everyone saw as deeply feminist but it was not like it didn't have that conversation oh was it gravity no i think people actually gave gravity some crap um well gravity really is just sandra bullock by herself yeah hold on that to me so wait a minute so gravity would pass the bechdel test to me she is solving problems by herself in space in space that's gotta pass the feminist test i i don't know man uh but here it is because i haven't seen it all right i have i think it's good Okay, so the bechdel test is three-pronged one has to have at least two named women characters in it two who talk to each other Three, about something besides a man. The first two are pretty common. The third one is where things get get hung up. Seems like people seem to be... Is there a list? Is Mulan on there? It seems like... Mulan has to be on there. If that's the classic Bechdel test, and that's the way I remember it, Uh, Mulan is on there. No, this is not good, actually. Um, Mulan, yeah. 
everything, every, all the dialogue between her and her mother and her grandmother are basically about marriage. And Mulan singing to her reflection is the only other time she talks to a single woman. Okay, but so... so I it, think it, it passes the spirit of it, but I don't think it passes the actual... So it we're fails... caught up as well. Hold on, hold on. Did, no, this is about the meaning of the movie. So I think what we're remembering then is her talking to her father about duty, family... Uh, you know, fulfilling your obligations to your nation. So it's true she's not talking about that with her mother, but she's leapfrogging over, you know, the the traditional conversations, and she's talking directly to her father, who is supposed to fill the family's obligation to the draft, and she is fulfilling it for him. I, I'm sorry, that, that's got to be a feminist movie. I think so. I, I, I Again, I think we're getting caught up on just the test. I think this is a deeply feminist movie. But it doesn't pass the, the test. But we're, right, we've gotten enough. sidetracked anyway. Is this where we get to talk about Harvey Firestein to bring it back? What? Come on, the, 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 the short soldier. That's played by oh. a very famous... Yeah, no, it's got a great cast. It's got a very, very funny you know, trio of guys who are hanging out with Mulan when she's in the army. Yeah. Um, all of them are just beautiful examples of what you can do in 2D that you really can't do in 3D. Which I just, I think it would be interesting to see the really large guy who's like a total pacifist. Well, they're trying to make a live action Mulan now, which I think speaks to the longevity of the film. Oh, they are? Yes, I did not know that. Right now. They're adding a white guy. They're adding a traitor, you know. Wait a minute. Some white dude who's like a traitor into into China because they. We already had that. It was the Tom Cruise movie. Dude, dude. What was that called? The Last Samurai or something? Yeah, well, that's That's in Japan. There was the Great Wall with Matt Damon, where Matt Damon's the only white dude. In oh song. God, I hate it when Hollywood does that. Dude, uh, I think Mulan is is. Why I are think, they doing that to Mulan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna Guy do- Ritchie is making an Aladdin movie, dude. Does Guy Ritchie sound like someone who should be handling Aladdin? No. no. Oh, but guess what? God. This is happening now. All right. Disney saw <laughs> with a couple of experiments, they were like, "Oh, we can do live action adaptations of stuff." And I don't think it's a to bring it back to Mulan. I think them picking Mulan to be only their second or third live action, third or fourth live action adaptation, yeah. speaks to their confidence in its narrative. Well, as things go, it speaks to the size of the Chinese movie market. Actually, well, that's true. <laughs> um, Which is why they made Mulan in the first place. Quite frankly, okay, Mulan comes out in the late '90s. So uh, under the Clinton administration, uh, you know, things really were loosening up in terms of trade with China. A lot of stuff that's affected your life has only happened in your life. And uh, this, this world we live in now where if you look at any doodad on your desk or in your kitchen and it's made in China, you know, that's really a relatively recent thing uh, in the whole history of the world. So it was absolutely Disney like, hey, you know, we can kind of see how the economy's changing and... And China's opening up to Western money uh, and, and tying into our culture. And so now, I mean, we've talked about this in other podcasts, the reason why Americans are getting frustrated that we have more and more and more movies like Fast and Furious, where there's not a lot of dialogue, it's just action, 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 is because Hollywood is making blockbusters for a global audience. And they're not going to worry too much about dialogue when they're selling movies to China. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do with the live-action Mulan. I really like the 2D, and I'm very skeptical of these remakes happening so quickly. Right? I mean, that's, that's part of the reason for the podcast. Well, it's been like 20 it. years, dude. We're like 20 years out from when Mulan was released. 
Well, don't say that. Dude, 998! That's, that's really... I, I have to go lay down now. Okay. <laughs> nice. What? Oh. All right, so I suppose we should talk about the movie itself. Eh? Yeah, the movie itself, which we did rewatch for this podcast because yeah. we knew that we wanted to revisit it after 20 years and see <clears throat> if it holds up. And it is a beautifully animated, wonderfully written, gripping narrative that appeals to anyone of any gender of any stage of life because it's about loyalty and what is your place in this world and while some of the songs i don't think are the highlights of the film it's certainly an excellent example of disney's ability to bring together animation and music and dialogue and acting and make a unique feature that they really have mastered and no one else has really even come close like i think dreamworks greatest success as a studio has come when they didn't try to be like disney you know right, at like the, the same shrek time stuff doesn't really have yeah music. and shrek is in development as this is coming out and you can just see how dreamworks is like all right you're going that way which is the way you've been going for all these years we're going this way but i think there's merit in what mulan brings to the table i mean look we're just talking around my favorite part of this movie, okay? Can we just talk about Sean Yu? Can we just talk... Can we talk about Sean Yu? I've been dying to talk about Sean Yu. Okay. okay. So Sean Yu <laughs> is not only my favorite Disney villain. He's probably, like, my top three villains ever. Because he is a master class of show Don't Tell. The movie does show Don't Tell very well. Yeah. Especially in the musical scenes where they just show you the improvement. They're not saying, oh... We're getting better at swimming. It's, okay, here's the advancement. We're singing you a song, and you can now see the progress that we've made. Yeah, yeah. You know, the montage, but they do it really well. Yeah. Sean Yu is amazing. Every time he is on screen, I am scared for my life, and he is a cartoon character. He exudes such menace, such confidence. Like, his very first scene, the very first scene of the film, I think it's very telling that they let Sean Yu be the first main character that's introduced where they're on the Great Wall, this iconic element of China that everyone knows, and not only have his men completely just gone over it, like no problem, which tells you a lot by showing you, the guard, you know, lights the signal beacon, and the whole wall lines up, and the sirens go out, and the, the birds go out to pass the message along, he just goes, now all of China knows you're here. And he just breaks off the flag and burns it into the pyre and just goes good like like <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know and when all the other characters are acting like oh sean Yu, sean Yu's coming sean Yu's bad like sean Yu doesn't need any backstory no he doesn't need anyone saying oh here's all the other cool things that he's done and now he's here to mess us up no he is a serious customer from the first frame he is on screen yeah you like, know you know he's voiced by a caucasian guy oh right? my god <laughs> When he is there and like Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. The again. two scouts, like when the two scouts are there and they've found Sean Yu and the Hun Army, it's like, Congratulations. You've found the Hun Army. Like he's such yeah. a dick. Well, it's he's like, confident. He's so confident. He's very confident. Like, I feel like we're missing a lot of confidence from movie villains today, and Mulan nails it. Yeah. Especially and it's great because you can contrast his confidence with Mulan's lack of confidence in herself. In her presentation of herself as a man, she's not confident in any of this. Though so you could, there's a whole reading of the movie that's all about self confidence. Hmm. You could say, you know, because because Mushu has false confidence and Mulan has no confidence, and 
Sean Yu is extremely self-confident, but he's let it, he's let it, you know, turn him into this monster. You know, it's wait, ego, it's vanity. It's, wait a minute. You, you mentioned a character just now. What, what was that character you mentioned? Mushu? Mushu! Yeah. We have to spend the rest of this podcast talking about Mushu! Oh my god, no we do not. Yeah oh we do, because god. everybody... Is this the beginning of like Eddie Murphy like telling the world, I'm just going to do children's movie forever now? Yes it is. So oh that's why god. it deserves a lot of attention, because everybody remembers the donkey... Right? That's Eddie Murphy with the kids, and he's so funny. <laughs> but he does Mulan first. Yeah, and gets a big Disney paycheck. Um, he's funny. I love the little dragon, yeah, Mushu. Mushu's great. Mushu's awesome. They, it's another example of Disney brilliantly using the 2D animated medium. You know, he slimes and slithers and goes all across the frame and does weird cartoony stuff and... You know, he's he's riffing he is riffing on pop culture because he doesn't ever break the third wall, but he clearly exists as this comedy support role where he can play off of what you expect him to do. So at one point he's trying to scare a bunch of people out of this uh encampment. Yeah. And he shows up and <laughs> the the guys turn around and go, Who are you? And there he is with these big bat wings tied to his bag, just goes your worst nightmare. (laughs) Does he turn to the camera and say, I'm Batman? No, he's, he's riffing off of what you expect. And it's really funny. He's really good. I I wish people would remember that more. And I hope the podcast helps. But uh, again, so before this is Aladdin, another movie that I think people do remember and think of uh, fondly, right? Because that's got Robin Williams as the genie, you know, doing a tour de force. But somehow, especially because Shrek was so popular, I just feel like, Eddie Murphy as Mushu, which I think is as good as Robin Williams in Aladdin, but it just feels like it's gotten lost. So I hope people will go back and watch Mulan because it's really funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's got stakes. It's got, you know, if you do want to read it as romantic, there is great interpersonal stuff between Shang and Mulan, and it builds very organically. His... He's such an interesting character as well, Shang is, because yeah, the captain. he's really presented as a very lawful, good character who then has to kind of reassess, okay, what does it really mean to follow duty and honor? Because he has these conflicting ideals. He's lost his father, who's really what who is mo- his model of masculinity, and he knows that honor would demand, you know, there's this pivotal scene where he has to decide to kill Mulan or not for her deception. So, you know, he says, well, instead of following the law, I'm going to follow what I know to be good and right and honorable in interpersonal relationships, which is, she has saved my life, I need to save her life, but I'll honor the law by saying, like, you're not one of us, we're leaving. He's trying to navigate a very complicated situation. Yeah, as is she. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty complex uh, movie. Yeah. S- Storyline. Yeah. And it... It hangs together so well. I don't feel like there's a single scene you can cut. The only thing that jumped out at me, if I am going to criticize Mulan, but again, this is a 9 out of 10 movie for me. This is a really wonderful film. There is uh, one or two times where the tone changes too abruptly. Oh, yeah. Uh, my father and I uh, really, like this, this jumped out at me even when I was like six years old seeing this movie, but like watching it again, 
when they're doing the um, a girl worth fighting for musical, yeah, which, which is, is a great musical, which number. is there like on the road and they've sort of bonded and they've gone through the whole training montage yeah, and, and now they're off to war. It's not something I'd cut. It's a very fun no, song that great informs song. what the kind of the kind of masculinity and femininity that you know that Mulan has kind of been born into, and as she's now starting to escape this paradigm. Yeah. And it ends with what's about to be a snowball fight, and instead they come upon this horrible massacre where massive casualties are implied. Well, the of whole village is burned out. And, yeah, yeah, and civilians, and it. I mean, they directly show a child's doll to say, "Hey, look, kids are dead." Like, yeah, yeah. this is in the space of like three minutes. Well, and it, and it comes. It interrupts the song. Like, there's yeah. no fade out to the song. It's oh, they're singing. It's a Disney movie. It's happy, happy, and then. Bam! But even if, like, and you can say, you can fix that by even just having, like, one scout run up and just go, stop! Right. And no, then it you was can have a... them come over the hill and see it, but it's, snowball fight! Oh, everyone's dead! Like, <laughs> it's so nuts. Like, that's yeah. weird. And then there's just, like, one or two moments of Mushu comedy that are funny, because they're almost all funny. But they're just in weird places. The movie oscillates between tones very quickly. I still think that's okay. I think it's very complex for a Disney movie, but that's what I like about it. I can't believe it's been so long, and we haven't talked about James Hong yet. Yes, we haven't talked about James Hong, who we love. So we love. He's James never Hong. far away He's from the podcast. Far, never far from the podcast. <laughs> never far from our hearts. Honestly, he lives in our hearts. He lives on in all of us. He has more than two hundred movie credits, and Mulan, of course. Is one of them. And this is such a great role for him because he's not a villain like in Big Trouble in Little China. No. He's not some like eccentric weirdo like he is in um, Blade Runner. Where yeah. He's like, I just work on eyes. Like, <laughs> he's not a loving parental father figure like he is in Kung Fu Panda. No. We are noodle people. <laughs> Broth runs in our veins. Like, he is this weird little toady... Um, nasty little bureaucrat who's been assigned to constantly poke shang in the ribs and remind him right of, he's throughout the story yeah he's super obnoxious but that's his role that's what yeah. he's supposed to be yeah, yeah. and it's really fun to see him there he's also a great contrast because he's also usually the only non-military character embedded with this unit yeah and it's quite clear that like with many of my other favorite movies of of any rating of any genre that involve military people there is this disconnect between the people who have been through basic as you always say the divide between People who have been shot at. Yeah. And the people who haven't been. Yeah. And, you know, he has not been shot at until, you know, kind of the end of the second act, which has the great, this will lead us to your favorite part, the avalanche scene. Yeah! <laughs> so the avalanche scene is beautiful. And I want you to take this, Dad, because you love this scene. Well, uh, so the first time that computers are used to enhance 2D animation in a major motion picture, most people would uh, credit that to Beauty and the Beast, right? The uh, ballroom dancing scene. And that was very showy, uh, still stands up, it's beautiful. Uh, but they then continue to kind of work for the next 10 years. Disney and DreamWorks and some of these other folks are trying to figure out how do we bridge this? Because they know that the CGI is coming uh, and that the computer animation is the future, but they don't want to give up on 2D because that's what people are used to. There's a market built for it. And that's and what everyone who's still working in the industry is trained for at that point. That's what they're trained for. So uh, that scene, that kind of set piece, uh, gigantic scene that is enhanced by CGI technology in Mulan is the avalanche scene, which is fantastic because uh, it's still organic to the storyline, right? They... It, 
Mulan's unit is kind of, they're the last standing unit. Uh, you know, the army's been wiped out in other places. They're trying to stop the Huns from riding on the capital city. And there's this mountain pass. And Mushu's a part of it, right? Because she does something with him with the last rocket they have that seems like, okay, you know, he's like yelling at her. Ah, you missed! How right? could you miss? He was three feet in front of you! Right? As the Huns are charging on horses, right? You literally see hundreds of figures riding down on this small military unit, right? So that's all animated uh, with computer uh, technology at the time. And, of course, she's shooting to create this avalanche. And it's fantastic because then it sort of shows you the choices that these people make uh, in the middle of a gigantic mess, right? It's chaotic. Everybody's fighting for their lives. Uh, it's just fantastic. It's beautiful. It informs the characters. And I could watch it a hundred times in a row. And I have always been a much bigger fan of not choreography in fight scenes, but using the environment in fight scenes. Yeah. A lot of the time you see a fight scene, and even if everyone's doing cool moves, it doesn't feel like they're fighting in a real place because they're not like aware of their surroundings or doing yeah. stuff with their surroundings. That's why I love Jackie Chan fights, is because he's constantly using his surroundings. And you know, things are getting better with that. A uh, little side note, we actually just saw Black Panther last night, and they have a constant setting for these kind of mano a mano fights that's in this little pool of water next to a cliff. Right, so that is always a part of the fight. Is are you going to get thrown off the cliff, right? Yep. Or, or what do you do with the water? The way they filmed the water during the fight was amazing. So we've got that level of sophistication now in 2018. But you know what, Mulan had some of that level of sophistication when it came out 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to have it, you know, affect this narrative in such a really big way, and the sense of speed and power of the avalanche. The avalanche has weight. The avalanche really does not feel like water or slush. Like, this is hundreds of pounds of snow moving at a fast pace that is going to crush whatever it comes in contact with. Just consume you, yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, But the movie stands up really well. I think Mulan is great. I think it is a very vital part of the canon. I think we should probably say at this point that we don't think it's more important than the other Disney movies from the 90s that are recognized as part of the canon. You know, I mean, Lion King was so... I would never say it would be more important. No, no, no. Lion King, you know, uh, it's now a successful uh, theatrical musical. Lion King is in the canon. Doing live action of that as well. Wow, okay. Uh, Beyonce is going to be in it. Oh, for God's sake. Okay, fine. Look, I watched Lion King the movie. I watched a middle school production of the theatrical. Do I really have to watch the live action? It's got Beyonce in it. Oh, my God. All right, so from the 90s, you know, I think it would be Lion King and Little Mermaid, at least. Probably Aladdin. Don't yeah, yeah. People, I mean, I mean, they, they, they had—they had such a run. They were putting out <laughs> some stuff in the nineties. That was man. crazy. They were like, and the other thing is that Mulan also really gives rise to creative teams that go on to also do really interesting things. I mean, such two as. of the main creatives behind Mulan go on to do uh, Lilo and Stitch. And I would never oh. fight for Lilo and Stitch in the canon. I think that's much more individual to the millennials as a generation. But, oh. you know. but it's a very solid movie. Oh, I liked great it. Movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Lilo and Stitch is a lot of fun. Yeah. But I, you only get Lilo and Stitch because of Mulan. Right, no. right. Yeah, so so we're not saying that Mulan is more important than some of these others that are beloved. But, but you it know does what? belong in the canon. We would love to have people go watch Mulan again. Absolutely. Anyway, on that note, this has been the Re... View... Podcast. Cod, blah, blah.
Let's do that again. This has been the Review Podcast. Podcast. Okay, I nailed it, eh? Yeah, good work. <laughs>